stand behind this sacred desk this morning, O oh God, covenant to make covenant with you, O oh God, to take no glory for myself for any and all things that will be accomplished with all the glory shall be thine. We thank you today, God, because we know that your anointing is present with us now. Your power is here. You are here. And we do expect miracles, healings, signs, wonders, a word, revelation to flow freely today, unhindered and unchecked by any force at all. So we thank you for the strategy that you shall, re you shall release today. Many are sitting looking for answers and strategies for their next move. We thank you that this is the day that they will receive what they need. And we give you praise and glory now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Please stand for the reading of God's word. All right, I'm going to ask if you do me a favor since we have it right on the screen. You can keep your Bibles open, but let's read it together. We're going to read from 11 through 14. Ready? Read. The people were given based on a system of priests from the tribe of Levi, but they could not be made perfect through that system. So there was a need for another priest to come, a priest like Melchizedek, not Aaron. And when a different kind of priest comes, the law must be changed too. We are saying these things about Christ, who belonged to a different tribe. No one from that tribe ever served as a priest at the altar. Verse 14, it is clear that our Lord came from the tribe of Judah, and Moses said nothing about priests belonging to that tribe. We're going to be talking from the subject, which is our theme for the year, a revolution of paradigm. Raise your Bibles with me. We'll make our declaration. Repeat after me. This book of the law, book of the law shall, not shall not depart out of my mouth, of my mouth. but I will, I will meditate, meditate therein, therein day, and night. day and night. I will observe, I will observe to do according to, according to, all, to all that is written, that is written therein. therein. For then, For then my, way my way shall be prosperous, and then, and then I, will I will have good success. Tell somebody I'm getting ready to be blessed again. You may take your seats. As we're looking at this particular passage, if you can put that back and just kind of let it stay up for me there. As we're looking at this particular passage, scripture there in Hebrews chapter 7, as I was praying last year as to what the theme would be, and how we would flow into it this year, how it would lead our church. Uh, this is, out of about five or six passages in the Bible, this is the one that really seemed to speak to what it is I believe God's talking to us about. This is a year for us here at Grace of transition. I believe that organizations, uh, businesses, churches will always experience transition. I also believe that families, Individuals will always experience times of transition, that there will be times when things will shift and change in transition. If we're going to live and we continue to get older, there's always going to be a transition. In life, uh, when I was 15 in life, there was a certain order and a certain way 
that, <coughs> that my life was to be managed at that age. But when I became 25 years old, I could not manage my life the same way I managed it at 15. There was a change. A transition took place. No matter how bad I wanted to go back and finish up some of the things in high school that I messed up, I was already pastor. Amen. Then, when I turned 30, I had to shift and transition again because I was getting older. When I turned 35, now just trust me, I ain't going all the way up, just so y'all know. Okay? I'm going to stop at 40, and then the rest of it, it's, you know, dot, 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 dot. Okay? But I had to shift <coughs> and transition, excuse me, transition at each turn and phase of my life. Even in life itself, from infancy to childhood, that's one aspect of life. But when I move from childhood to my adolescence, then there's a change, a transition. Then when I move from, from the adolescent stage of my life, my teenage years, then I actually move into my chronological adulthood life where things have to change again. So there's a change, even generationally speaking. There's transitions that will be taking place all the time. There are changes that will be taking place. And no matter how we don't like the change many times, change is imminent. Are you here? So my purpose today for this lesson, as we initiate it anyway, we'll be in this probably for this week and next week. Our purpose for this lesson is to prepare us to embrace imminent change. To really prepare us to embrace imminent change. Whether we want change to happen or not, change is coming. There's a group that I have, favorite group of mine, and uh, uh, back in the day, uh, some of y'all know who they are. <coughs> in case y'all don't know, how many don't know who my favorite group is? Thank you. Give me the opportunity to say it one more time. My favorite group of all time is the Winans. Okay. Now, they have a new group out now, 3W, 3WB, the three Winan brothers. Okay. That's uh, Bishop Marvin, Carvin, and B.B. Winans. Benjamin, they have a new group out. I just thought I'd let you know that. Okay. But they had a song out back in the days uh, that talked about it's been a long time coming, of which they reached back in another time era, and they brought it up. They took, I believe it was Sam Cooke's song or somebody's Cook song, and they brought it into the church. Hallelujah. And they... And, and they situated it so that it speaks to believers. It's been a long time coming, but a change is going to come, and then, of course, we find out it comes. So change happens. We're always in transition. Amen. When you're smaller, your foot was smaller. You got older, you got a bigger foot now. Change is going to happen. I don't, I don't want to wear no size 8. I want to stay in a 6. Well, I'm sorry. You have to go to an eight now. We've measured your feet, and you can't get in sixes anymore. Yeah? So change happens. And so I really want to get us ready for major transition this year. Things are going to happen in your life this year. You're going to grow beyond where you have been. See? And as you grow where you, beyond where you have been, it's not going to feel as comfortable as what you're used to. Particularly when you've been in a certain state 
stage or phase of your life a long time. Change has to come. You may want to still use a typewriter, but typewriters are not, <laughs> it's outdated now. Okay? You, you use a typewriter, something wrong. Things have changed. You can't hardly find a telephone booth these days. Okay? Before, it was no problem. We had no problem. We, you know, we were out. We used a telephone booth. Go in and put your little dime. You nickel in, put your little dime in. And then it went up to a quarter. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden, they start phasing them out because, <laughs> excuse me, because the cell phone became popular. Now, today, folks don't know what they will do without their cell phone. People are lost. What's wrong with him? What's wrong with her? They can't find their cell phone. Okay? They're lost without a cell phone. Amen? We never thought there'd come a day where you would, at least, you would even consider not even having a house phone. But the day has come now. That we're, you know, we're, we're getting cable, but we don't, have, we don't have to have a phone. We want bundle, but we, don't, we only need internet and, 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 and cable. We don't need a house phone. Right? We never thought that day would come. There's a movie that I, I watch every now and then, uh, The Shawshank Redemption. Now, I like it. Y'all don't have to like it, but I like that movie. Okay? You like that movie too, boo. Yeah. The sh I, every now and then, and when it come on, I turn. It, it kind of trumps a lot of the things I've, I've been watching if I find that it's on. So I watch it, you know, and I've seen it. I can almost tell you what's going to happen and all that kind of stuff. But <clears throat> there was the guy, the older gentleman who was the librarian. Remember the librarian in there? Okay, he had been in there, I think, about 50 years or so, a long time in prison. And then he got his pardon. He was able to get out. And he almost killed somebody because they set him free. They set him free, and he almost killed somebody while he was in because he was afraid of freedom. He was afraid of freedom. And what happened with him, finally, when they talked him down, when Morgan Freeman, when they talked him down, right, and, and, and they talked to him and convinced him about how good freedom is, he accepted his pardon. He left out of prison. And they, you know, they had a place for him, halfway house where he went to, right? Then they had him a little job set up at the grocery store. I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but they had a grocery store. And then it, he, at one of the times, I saw when he was walking across the street one time, he was walking across and uh, these cars were going by. And he had been in so long that he, had, <laughs> he hadn't seen cars like that. And he said, the world's going by so fast. Right in his letter. He, you know, he, he just, people blowing at him because he's not understanding how to navigate this new, quote unquote, world now. Because he had been in so long. Well, he could not cope. He was unable to deal with the change that had taken place while he was in. And unfortunately, because he couldn't manage the change, he hung himself. He hung himself. Change for many people is fearful. So I want to take the rest of my time really dealing with this whole aspect of fear. The fear of change. Because we talk about change, 
we look at the change, but then when we measure ourselves up based upon what we're looking at for a change, there is an internal uh, 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 volcano that starts rumbling. Because we're not sure. That is an unfamiliar place. It's an unfamiliar uh, territory for us to go into. We're not sure if we know how to do that yet. And we like to stay safe where we are, even if where we are ain't that good. <clears throat> Some people would rather stay in a, in, in a mediocre situation rather than to move ahead because at least they're familiar with mediocrity. At least they know how mediocrity works. They know what it will produce. They know what the expectation is of it. And so they don't, they're not tricked by mediocrity. So they would rather stay in mediocrity and live at that place of average or below average rather than to excel and go forward because going forward and excelling means that it has to now open me up. It now has to expand me. It now has to challenge me. And I'm not really, really sure if I have enough in me to expand like that and survive. Because at least right here, I know what I can do. At least right here, I know what my abilities are. At least right here, I know how high I can jump. I know who to talk to. I know who likes me. I know who don't like me. Hello? I know who are my real friends, and I know who are not my real friends. At least I know this place. So change is very fearful, fearful for a lot of people. We, are, we spend most of our time looking for a place of comfort. We spend our life in our, and even our prayers looking for comfort. We want God to bring us to this comfortable place. When really we have only tapped in to a piece of what we think God is. God, even though he says, I'm God in Malachi chapter 3, uh, he says, I'm God and I change not. You got to understand that there's so much of God. That God is full and complete already. So every change that you will and I will experience has already been done, but we haven't arrived yet. So for us, God is always changing. Or, let me say it better so we can really get the context of it. God is always calling us higher. God is always calling us higher. If you listen very carefully, you'll hear God saying, I want more. While we're striving, agonizing to get to a place of comfort. God lets us stay there only for a season. You will find out that once you arrive at this place, your, your, what you thought is your destiny, and you're still alive, God says there is more. You will never stop changing until we transition on that last change to be with the Father. We will always be changing. When you're 60, you will change. When you're 70, you will change. When you're 80, you will change. When you're 90, when you're change, you will change. And when you're 100, you will change. When you're 110, you will change. When you arrive at 120, we are constantly changing. 
We're constantly evolving. We're constantly transforming. Something is always happening for us. Because once you get to a place and you maximize that place, it becomes ordinary to you. And you will find out that once you arrive at a place, you become overqualified for that place and you end up being in the way of someone else who's trying to get there on their journey. And when you are in the way and you want to be complacent, God will create scenarios that will make you uncomfortable in the nest. Come on. And you have to get up out of the nest, just like the birds do for their little chicks, their little babies. When it's time for them to get out, they make the nest very difficult for them to stay in. Some of you all remember my analogy about the eagle. The mother, with her little eaglets, she had to feed them. So she would leave the nest, get food, and then she'd come back, bring the food. They ready. Just eat it. Okay? After they've grown to a place now where it's time for them to get out of the nest, here's what she begins to do. She goes to get the food, and on her way back, she stops at the tree before the, the tree that the nest is in. She stops there. And the eaglets look at her. Like, come on with the food. <laughs> Would you bring the lunch, please? We're hungry. And the mother will sit there and sit there and sit there. And then the eaglets will start getting upset with her and throw a temper tantrum. <laughs> Y'all know about temper tantrums. When you don't get what you want. Right? So the little eaglets start throwing a temp temper tantrum, and then the mother would fly over and bring the food. They eat. Next feeding time, she leaves, and she stops at that tree again. And they get mad because she would wait, and they get to throw another temper tantrum. Long story short, what happens is, because it's, they, they don't know it's time to go, but the mother knows that it's time for them to leave the nest. Y'all getting too big up in here. <coughs> Y'all can't stay in this crib. Not in this one right here. It's too big for you. Okay. She knows best. Mother knows best. There was another show, though. Father. That's right. Don't be sweating on the fathers. But anyway. And so she knows that it's time for them to leave. And so she waits. And she knows that each time they throw a temper tantrum. She doesn't get upset with them at the temper tantrum. She just knows that each time they throw one, they're strengthening their legs and their wings. And so one time, time, she'll stop. She knows this is the day. I'm go they're going to get so mad, they're going to fly today. She stopped and she watches them. And they throw the temper tantrum. And then one of them will look... I'm going to get my food and, and, throw, and, and then all of a sudden lift. Right? And, and then they don't realize they're flying. Uh-oh. And mother swoops, picks them up, puts them back in, feed them again. And she does the same thing until when they jump out the next time, they have enough strength in their legs, enough strength in their wings to keep on flying and get their own food. 
Then they fly back and say, Mom, I got mine. See ya. Visit you here and there. My point is, change comes, but it's not always comfortable, and many times we're afraid of it. Are y'all still with me? Now, looking at the text, let me hurry. Looking at the text, we discover here that the Bible says the people were given the law based upon a system of priests from the tribe of Levi. Everybody say Levi. Levi. Everybody say Levi. Levi. It's the Levitical tribe. Okay? Levi. But they could not be made perfect through that system. So that priesthood under the, the Levitical priesthood, okay, under the priest was under the law. Okay? The law given by Moses, the priest was Aaron, if you will, under that system or that order. Okay? And the Bible says, under that order, they could not be made perfect through that system. In other words, the achieving of the culmination of their growth, the achieving of the culmination of God's plan and purpose for their life could not be achieved in that system. So there was a need, come on, for another priest. In other words, that system was not an adequate system to bring us to the levels where God had originally planned to bring us to. God used that system now to begin to bring order back, but it wasn't the final destination of where God's bringing us back. Because when man fell in the garden, man didn't realize how far he had fallen. And so now, God is in a restorative uh, uh, flow. He's restoring the connection between himself and man, and he starts by giving them at least the knowledge that they're messing up. At least give them some type of a marker to know how far, or at least understand that you have fallen. You are not where you should be. You are not the man you used to be. You are not the woman you used to be. You have fallen beneath my prescribed blueprint for your life. So I have to put something in front of you so that you will have a mirror showing you yourself. Because if you don't have a mirror showing you yourself, you think you'll be right when you're actually wrong. Just because the sky hadn't fallen yet doesn't mean that you're right. So there has to be a mirror that will show you that you're wrong. That's the system of the law. It shows you, it gives you all of these do's and don'ts so that you will know where you are. The problem with that system, that Levitical system under the law, with that <coughs> under the priesthood of Aaron, if you will, Levi and Aaron, is that everything you saw, you could only admit that, yes, it is that. In other words, it had no ability to reach back and help you. So that which is righteous to show you or give you a plumb line as to how life is supposed to be lived ended up being a knife to slay us because it showed me and now it didn't help me to get right. 
So now, God in his system had an annual get right plan. He had an annual get right plan through the priest whereby the priest would take an animal, kill an animal, innocent animal, slay it, take the blood of it, sprinkle it up on the mercy seat to atone, everybody say atone, atone sin. In one instance, atonement means at one meant. It means that this is, this is symbolic of bringing man and God back together. Everybody say symbolic. Everybody say symbolic. Everybody say symbolic. Because atonement only covered the sin. It never eradicated the sin. So the sin really was still there. It was just covered. Come on. It was just covered. By the blood of an animal. Stay alive in between sacrifices. <laughs> Do not die in between. Okay? So that system does not work. Because now it only shows me my problem. It does not reach and help me with my problem. God's plan was... To bring another priesthood on the scene. To bring another priesthood on the scene. Bring me to verse number 12. So there was a need for another. And verse 12 says, and when a different kind of priest comes, what happens? The law must be changed too. In other words, if we now are going to get a new priesthood in that will replace the old priesthood, you cannot take the old laws of the old priesthood and bring the old laws under the new priesthood and expect it to run in concurrent with the new priesthood. No, what's going to happen is if you bring a new priest in and you bring the old order in, you're going to have what you have had. There will be a conflict between the priest and the order. Come on. So now if we're going to change the priesthood, then we also have to change, come on, the law too. Give me 13. We are saying these things about Christ. So the new priesthood or the new priest, if you will, is whom? Christ. Okay? And we see that through Melchizedek. We'll get it, I'll break it down maybe next week. Okay, but I'm trying to get somewhere today. Okay. So we are saying these things about Christ who belonged to a different tribe. No one from that tribe ever served as a priest at the altar. In other words, no one from the tribe of Judah was ever assigned to the priesthood. The priesthood was relegated to Levi, not Judah. So now, if we're going to have, oh my God, help me through here. If we're going to have change, if change is going to take place, we cannot pull change, oh Lord, we can't pull change from an old system. You can't use an old system to produce a new change. You have to change priests first. 
When you change priests first, then a new order is demanded. You cannot raise up a new order from the old order. You have to replace that. That's why a revolution has to take place. A revolution has to take place. Pastor, what is a revolution? I'm glad you asked me. A revolution is a change, but not just a change. It is a radical change. Radical comes from the word radix, R-A-D-I-X, radix, which means the root of. So when there's going to be a revolution, you got to pull, you got to go to the root and pull it up and plant a new one. Y'all, come on. Come, 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 come. You can't just start shaving off the top and taking the new growth for change. No, no, no. It's still what it's been if you have what you have. You have to go to the root of a thing, come on now, and change it. Come on, tell somebody, pull it up, pull it up, pull it up. There's some old roots that keep producing these old things. All you're doing is giving it a haircut when you really need to plow it and pull it up. All we're doing is shaving when we ought to go to the root. I tell y'all, we got to go to the root and pull it out. Come on, shout, pull it out. We're praying for new things, trying to do new things, but we keep growing old stuff. Time for a revolution to take place. We need a radical change to take place in our lives. We need to shut some old stuff completely down. So that new stuff can grow. You may have been a field that did well last year, but now we need to go over that field and plow it up. Plant some new, new, new seeds. If you want new growth, you ought to plant something new. If you want something new, you got to do something new. You're tired of those old rotten apples? Then you need to pull up that tree and plant another one and you got to wait for that thing to grow so it can produce the good stuff that you want. Are you all in the building? Y'all still in the car with me? We can't expect a new order coming out of Levi. We haven't been waiting for Levi. We've been waiting for Jesus. Hallelujah. Your job will never produce what it's supposed to produce until you change. Come on now. We got to uproot some stuff. We got to go to the root. There has to be a radical, no nonsense change. You got to take the knife and turn it on yourself. You got to tell yourself to shut up sometime. You got to look in the mirror and say, you're ugly. You better get yourself together. You can't wait for somebody else to come along to help you. You got to shut it down your. There's some pictures in your house you need to take out now because it keeps producing these spiritual stuff in the atmosphere. There's some jewelry you have in the house you need to get rid of. 
You got memories connected to the jewelry. You need to get rid of the jewelry. Ain't a lot of amens on that one, but that's okay. I'm going to stay right there. You got rings and necklaces you just need to get rid of. Talking about, I like the jewelry. I just like the, you don't understand there's a spirit associated to that? You know that the difficulty you're having in life is because you have not uprooted certain spirits that you let live? Needs to be a revolution. Needs to take place. That's what needs to happen. You need to have a radical change to take place. If you want something different, you got to do something. All right. Let me bring it. You can't have superficial change. You can't make superficial modifications. I'm changing stuff that don't mean anything. You got to ask yourself, what's wrong with you? No, 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 really, 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 really. You got to ask yourself, what's wrong with you? Ask yourself that. The highest form of discipline, y'all, is self-discipline. It's not when someone else tells you what to do to make you stay in these lines. It's what you tell yourself. May I say that many of us are afraid of our own self. Afraid of what we have become. Afraid of what we've allowed people to make us into. I'm messing now, but that's okay. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's stuff that needs to show up on this planet, man. And it will never show up if we don't have a revolution. There needs to be a revolt on my mind. There needs to be an uprising in my heart. There needs to be some level of insurrection to take place inside of me. I need to go against the grain of me. When I look at myself, I don't like what I have become. Follow me, follow me. I don't, if you don't like what you've become, I don't like what I, why am I this way? Because I allowed other people to sow into me. Wrong folks to sow into me. And they planted into me. And I needed them at that time. And because I needed them, I opened my ground for them to sow in me. And now look at what is produced in me. Well, the day has come for a revolution. Let it begin now. Yeah. I just need, I just need to stop playing. Now, I'm, I'm talking to the first person, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm just looking for the license to tell you. So when I speak to me, I have given myself the license to tell you. Heard a preacher say, I got to get myself together. Oh, okay. I don't think I need all those seven. Go to 1 John chapter 4. 
I'll leave you with this and we'll pick it up next Sunday. First John chapter number four. Y'all getting anything at all? First John chapter four. It's a love chapter, y'all. But there's an issue that we have to address in this love chapter. Verse, I'm going to read these verses, then I'm going to talk and, and finish for the day, and then we'll pick it up next week. Verse 17, 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. Lord have mercy, help me through here. Because what I want to do now is address the fear factor. Fear? No, let me read first. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness, boldness. In the day of judgment. See, no, no, put them back on, put them back on, put them back on. Oh, mercy. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no, excuse me, no fear in love. But perfect love, come on, casteth out fear. Is that in your Bible? Why? Because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. I want to address the fear factor. I know that a revolution has to take place. I don't like what I've become. I don't like what I see. I'm not producing what I know I should be producing. God's telling me this, but here's what's keep coming up. I keep saying yes, but no keeps arising. I keep expecting good. God says good's supposed to happen, but bad keeps showing up on the field. When I start looking introspectively, I start looking at myself, and I don't like what I have become. I don't even like what I do. I don't even like the way I talk. I don't even like my tone. But I'm so familiar with me that I find it difficult now to get out of the bed with me. I know me. I know me. I know me. I know I need to get out of here. I'm just afraid. Because I've seen this so long, I don't know if I can navigate that. Bible says, as it's talking about love, it's talking about how perfect love casts out fear. It says fear has torment. Fear factor. Listen to this. Fear has a way of dominating your progress. It will make you go in every direction but forward. Fear is a spirit that takes on many forms and shapes. Fear, phobos, 
is to shrink in the presence of that that you think is bigger than you. If I operate in fear, I have denied the greater one who lives inside of me. When I operate in fear, I've actually told God to take a lower seat in my life. When I operate in fear, I have lost my ability of reverence of God. I have now said that I don't know where God is right now. Come on. When fear invades my life, it has, I have allowed fear to dominate God in me. Fear. Fear. So then, it's hard for me to move out of where I am. If someone were to approach you now and tell you, I am going to award you, hear me, with a $500 million check next Sunday at 7 p.m. Many of us initially would take that offer with a shout and with laps around the church until he who makes the offer says, here is the condition. Until then, Give away everything that you have. Okay, I know y'all thinking about stuff. Y'all say, some of y'all say, ain't no problem. Hey, hey, get rid of that. (laughs) Now, let me get into your life. Let me talk to your habits right now. The things that you have built structure around. That you can't do without. Y'all know I'm talking about the rich young ruler. You know I'm talking about him. Many of us then would be afraid. Then there's some of us who think that's too good to be true. Because mind you, I did not say $100,000. I said $500 million. Some of you can't even believe that. But I have to stop now because I'm out of time. We will pick it up next week, right from where we are. Close your Bibles because y'all not making me do anything more. I will walk right into my office and jump into the helicopter and go to the next location. 
in Jesus' name. No, did you receive the word today?